1966, a young planetary astronomer by the name of Carl Sagan and Russian astrophysicist I.S. Shklovsky published a book titled Intelligent Life in the Universe. They speculate about the possibility that the two Martian moons, Phobos and Deimos, are artificial satellites. Quote, it merits serious consideration, end quote. They also tell us that, quote, a technical civilization substantially in advance of our own would certainly be capable of constructing and launching massive satellites, end quote. First discovered in 1877 by the American astronomer Asaph Hall, the moons of Mars have only served to deepen our fascination with the red planet's mysteries. We now know, of course, the Martian satellites are natural and not the contrivance of an advanced extraterrestrial civilization. In the early 20th century, English writer Edgar Rice Burroughs enlivened our collective imagination about Mars through his fictional tales of a man who visits the Martian world. Burroughs' work was inspired largely in part to the observations and descriptions of Mars by Percival Lowell, who we heard about in Part 1, who built the Lowell Observatory in Flagstaff, Arizona, for the sole purpose of investigating what he believed were canals on the surface of Mars. And Mars was also home to the hideous creatures of H.G. Wells' science fiction tale War of the Worlds, which was broadcast as a radio play in 1938. Speaking from the roof of Broadcasting Building, New York City, the bells you hear are ringing to warn the people to evacuate the city as Martians approach. Estimated in the last two hours, three million people have moved out along the roads to the north. This may be the last broadcast. We'll stay here to the end. People are holding service here below us in the cathedral. The enemy is now in sight above the palisades. Five, five great machines. First one is crossing the river. I can see it from here, wading, wading the Hudson like a man wading through a brook. A bulletin is handed me. Martian cylinders are falling all over the country. One outside of Buffalo, one in Chicago, St. Louis. Seem to be timed in space. Now the first machine reaches the shore. He stands watching, looking over the city. Steel cowlish head is even with the skyscrapers. He waits for the others. They rise like a line of new towers on the city's west side. Now they're lifting their metal hands. This is the end now. Smoke comes out, black smoke shifting over the city. People in the streets see it now. They're running toward the East River, thousands of them. Dropping in like rats. Now the smoke's spreading faster, it's reached Times Square. People are trying to run away from it, but it's no use. They're falling like flies.
people hearing that dramatic narrative for the first time on the radio believed it was a real invasion of aliens from Mars. On part two of our armchair exploration of the Red Planet, Wayne and I delve into some reasons why God may have created such a world. We ponder the existence of aliens and ultimately reflect on how we think Mars, like everything else in the heavens, points us to the glory of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I'm sure we have some of our listeners probably wondering, because I'm wondering it, and uh, I like to wonder on behalf of our listeners, and uh, I know uh, this question may come up. It comes up with skeptics, and I know we have some skeptic atheist friends that listen. And uh, so, Wayne, what in the world was God doing making Mars? I mean, we see these wonderful pictures. We know all this, we have all this hard data about its desert environment, its atmosphere, the speed of its wind, it has polar ice caps, it's dirty and dusty and it's oxidized. In other words, it's uh, it's rust colored because it's full of rust, basically, uh, the, the kind of uh, stuff we see on rusted metal, basically the same basic chemical constituents. But but Wayne, what is the point of Mars? What, what, what theolo- I mean, the Bible doesn't talk about Mars. Right? Uh, why would God make a planet like this? What's the point of of this planet? What What do you think? To me, the con- it's a kind of contrast with Earth. That um, Earth is not an accident because we have all these other planets in our solar system, and it's a kind of a nice selection of all the all the types you might think of. Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so we have uh, we have Mercury, which is it's a ball of rock. Uh, very beat up by impacts, and, right? And, and it, it's very. It has a magnetic field, which is kind of interesting for a small planet. And then the, you have Venus, which seems a lot like Earth, but it's not because it's super, super hot. I could melt lead at the surface. Wow. Then Mar- Mars is farther out, so it's cold. And so if you you know, we've talked about Dan this Goldilocks zone that yes. Earth is within to be the right temperatures for liquid water and for life. Well, Mars would be, uh, I think, uh, just a little outside that uh, Goldilocks zone. So it's it's like a cold desert. Yeah. And and uh, but there is ice on on Mars in the surface and at, under the surface and at the poles. There's ice. So I think we have a contrast with Earth and in these other planets. So God made God made them also, Dan, but they are a deliberate contrast with Earth to me. So it's it's like to me you could say, and I I I, I agree with what you're saying. We have found um, by either transit methods or other methods, um, we haven't seen any any other planets as close as we can to our planets, our own solar system, of course. But uh, astronomers have devised technical ways of detecting planets in other star systems. And uh, so they, we, I think, I don't know what the current number is, four or 5,000 what they call exoplanets in the last uh, 10, 11 years. And um, you, some of them, they can tell how massive they are by the, the, the transit in front of its star. They can, some of them, they can faintly understand what their uh, atmospheric signature is, or some of them they can tell by 
uh, other ways that uh, that these planets and the kind of star they inhabit. Um, but nothing, nothing, Wayne. You hear, and this is what I wanted to bring up. You hear this idea of Earth-like planets. So here we are making Earth the standard for planets, right? Earth-like planets. But I, I would, right. I, I would argue that Earth is nothing like any other spherical object that we call planet. Um, I think it's Guillermo Gonzalez, a funny phrase he uses in our Story of the Cosmos book. When he thinks of Earth-like, he thinks of rabbits and tomatoes, right? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, And and so when we mean Earth-like, what we're talking about is just a planet that maybe is about as massive as Earth, the same amount of mass, about as far away from its parent star as we are. In other words, a certain zone, depending on the kind of star, that a planet could inhabit in order to sustain water and thus well, maybe... Well, Dan, in the scientific literature, they don't even they don't even really mean that it's the same distance, similar distance from the sun uh, necessarily. It, it's just really this. It's just really the size and mass of it. That's really all they're referring to in the scientific literature. Yeah, I like what you say though, because it seems like God has set it up to where we can discover these worlds. Right, that uh, Earth is a great place for us to discover, make discoveries about these other worlds. But what are we seeing time and time and time again? Not only are are we finding solar systems that are the complete antithesis of our own, where we've encountered solar systems where there are hot Jupiters nearest the star and all the rocky planets are on the outside edge. So we have a complete inversion of our solar system. And in fact, there was an article written by an astronomer, uh, some astronomers, I think it was from the University of Hawaii, I'd have to go back and look, but basically the conclusion is our solar system is not the norm. Our planet is not the norm. In fact, we have uh, a unique, so far as we can tell, a very unique setup here in our own little solar system. And so all this wonder, all these planets that are out there that are, quote, lifeless that we can discover... Uh, point to what we read in Psalm 65, that uh, the God has taken special care of this planet, of, of, of this terrestrial sphere that we inhabit. This was a special care and creation of God. Um, he made all the other ones, but I, I like what you say, that the other ones serve as a contrast to us, that ours is uniquely special. Right, and in many other extrasolar systems... Uh, the planets are more like Jupiter most of the time, and mm-hmm. they're up close to, the, close to the star, like Mercury or Venus. And right, uh, right. W- so, um, those systems are usually very different from ours. Yeah, and yeah. there are some rocky planets that they've found, but they don't really know of any that are very Earth-like. And in many cases, they don't really know very much about these planets, Dan. Right. They, they aren't, they're not always able to figure out the mass very precisely. But, yeah. Uh, and so there, there used to be a NASA website about exoplanets, Dan, that would say on the top of the website, it would say, so many exoplanets discovered to date, out of all these, how many habitable pl- known planets are, are uh inhabited by life mm. and and they always had one they always had just one there <laughs> and then uh, somewhere along the line as they found more and more exoplanets they took that off the website right but i think i think as far as we know it's still the case uh, there's still just one habitable planet 
Well, and that, and as you know, Wayne, that, that lately the government has released a report on UFOs. There's been a lot of interest in UFOs. One of our podcasts about UFOs has gone to the top of our all-time charts. Our podcast yes. with uh, Dr. Egg, with Gary Bates about UFOs and uh, a fascinating two-parter. I'll link that one in the description below if you're interested. Uh, a fascinating, very relevant conversation with Gary Bates of Creation Ministries International about UFOs and his book Alien Intrusion. So we highly encourage you to check that out. But, you know, it, it has been Mars, Wayne, talking a little uh, kind of uh, off the topic of the science for just a second. Mars has been the place um, where we have speculated – the most in the last century about uh, Martians, about aliens in general, right? That the the, the famous phrase "the Martians," and that comes from yeah. from H uh, G H G Wells's book. Uh, the his well, it wasn't a book; it was a play. Uh, Eighteen ninety seven, just at the turn, just before the turn of the twentieth century, uh, he wrote his uh, "War of the Worlds," and these creatures looked something like um, well. Octopus, octopi, or some crazy. <clears throat> some, excuse me, I got something in my throat. Well, these creatures looked something like a, a crazy giant octopus with the you know alien heads and the frothing mouths, and they were tall as a water tower. And <laughs> right. it was a radio play. And when it aired, people literally were hearing it on the radio for the first time. They didn't hear the introduction that it was just a radio play, and people were going out into the countryside freaking out, thinking this was a real thing that these were real martians and <laughs> a real That's martian right. invasion and so, uh, you see you see this repeated fervor now i think it's it's the same kind of thing where where now what is science fiction oddly is kind of turned into this what what some people think is obvious an obvious reality are there martians or aliens uh, watching us from distant worlds, you know. Yeah, but Dan, you know, there's a very important question they don't think about much about the, all of this. If all of these things are aliens, why is it that with all our excellent methods today, we have no evidence of seeing spacecraft coming into our solar system? We can detect we can detect extremely faint objects by ro- automation with computer, and it's it would be detected if there was such a thing. So what do you say, Wayne? I know this is a little wide the mark of our topic, but uh, what do you say about all these videos and things that come out where these little light blips are doing crazy things recorded by Navy and Army and uh, you know Air Force Well, personnel? I would say uh, Gary Bates has answers to that, although that's not really the topic of his, article, of his uh, book directly, but what the direction Gary Bates is going with it is the answer to that question. Yeah. So I I want to I don't want to answer the question myself here. I want to point people to Gary Bates because he has really good answers. Yeah. Yeah, we'll link that uh, conversation in the description below. Uh definitely a relevant topic for today. Um and you know HG Wells raised the question um uh, are we being watched, right? So uh, but as you say Gary Bates has some good answers. Uh ones I think we would affirm uh for sure and uh we encourage you to check out that episode. Let's go down to some more Mars missions a little bit here, um, Dan. So uh, another nation that's gotten into the process of exploring Mars is India. Um, India has a lot of smart uh, scientists and people, and so they have a space research organization called ISRO, India Space Research Organization. And they, Hmm. uh, even right now, they have a, a mission that sent a spacecraft to Mars 
to orbit Mars and take pictures of Mars. So this one is uh, it's called Mangalion, uh, is the name of the spacecraft. It's also called Mars Orbiter Mission or MOM. Oh, <laughs> uh, but it's a uh, it's a spacecraft that's in an elliptical orbit around Mars. So it's part of the time it's up close to Mars, and part of the time it's farther away. So it's really a, a nice way to get good pictures of Mars from that kind mm. of orbit. So there's there's a YouTube video you can find about Mangalion that's really neat uh, in showing what they've done with that. That's pretty good. Um, then there's other missions. Uh, NASA actually cooperated with India a little bit because at about the same time, this was both around 2013 and 2014, NASA had a mission called MAVEN, and at around the same time was the India mission, Mangalian. So they cooperated a little bit. Um, <clears throat> and Mangalian is still orbiting Mars, I believe. Then there was uh, a mission between ESA, the European Space Agency, and Russia. Uh, NASA started the mission, sort of, and then they bowed out because of budget cuts. But they um, uh, there was a, an orbiter and a lander, but for, unfortunately the lander was destroyed. But they, they were able to orbit Mars. Uh, that was called ExoMars 2016. There's going to be another ExoMars mission in 2022. Uh, hmm. So there's going to be another one like that. Well, in 2022, uh, December of 2022, we are going to have our next opposition to Mars. Um, so that's just that's the next one on the calendar, right. where where Earth will be directly in between Mars and the Sun, and Mars will be close, not the closest it's ever been, but Mars will be close, and it will be brighter and shinier uh, as it is closer. And so it, it's interesting, Wayne, because, you know, it's almost like in answer to the skeptic's question, why would God create Mars? Just look at what we're talking about. Look at all these, quote, missions to Mars. That's a borrowed term from, from, uh, from, from Christianity, missions, missionaries. We send missions into the heavens. Look, if it, God could have put us in an atmosphere where there was nothing to explore, but we love to explore. We are curious, as that young lady said. Right. And it seems you, you could answer the skeptic by saying, well, look, you love to explore things. We absolutely don't mind spending billions of dollars to go looking and digging around in the sandbox of this planet that God has given us a place to explore. And that is exactly, I think, the way he's designed us to do that. Why did God create Mars? So we could have something to do, so we could enjoy uh, doing what he designed us to do, and that's exploring his creation. Yeah, I kind of like the description of it as a big sandbox for us to explore. It's kind of neat. Absolutely. Yeah, we're, we are children. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, what I can re I can vividly remember Matchbox cars in the sandbox in kindergarten. I, I you know, I mean that's where children they learn to dig, they they make friends, they're social, they come together, right? Exploring and digging and making and creating the sand. Who hasn't has doesn't have a memory as as a child of of at least going to the beach once or making sand castles or feeling your sand in the toes or exploring the water and and all this stuff. So, you know, Mars is just uh, adults, <laughs> grown-up kindergartners, <laughs> exploring distant sands and digging around. Right. Uh, so, let's see. 
we got to get to the present here. In 2018, Dan, there was a mission called Insight, where there was a the lander was called Insight, and it had two small uh, cube-like things that were uh, orbiting Mars. So mm. um, the orbiting devices were called Marco A and Marco B. So they were supposed to send uh, data back to Earth while the uh, InSight lander was out of out of connect, communication with Earth, you know, on the wrong side of Mars, it, it can't uh-huh. radio back. So it wasn't a total success. Uh, they were trying to measure earthquakes, so they tried to drill down into the surface, and it didn't work well where they landed because the soil was too soft. They couldn't drill it very well. But they were able to get some earthquake data on Mars. Mm, so that's a unique thing about InSight. That's good. Then there's a China mission, Dan. It's still operating on Mars. Uh, this was uh, the 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 orbiter and the rocket was called uh, Tianwen One, and it has a lander and a rover, and the rover is called Zhirong or Zhirong, something like that, from China, mm. a totally China mission. Uh, so it was. Uh, it launched in July of 2020, entered orbit around Mars in February 2021. So okay. about the time we were freezing in the cold weather, Dan, uh, China was landing on Mars. Oh, during our snow. Uh, yeah. During our uh, uh, snow. Yeah, it was getting this, into this orbit winter. about that time. <laughs> so then, the wow. rover was deployed. Uh, f- was not deployed till a little later. So. The rover went out around May 22, 22nd on 2021. So it's only been operating there about two and a half months now. Oh, uh, wow. So the, China's rover is still operating there in their orbiter. So that's they mm. had a successful mission to another planet. Uh, then we come to the current one, which is Perseverance and Ingenuity. And Perseverance is similar to the Curiosity uh lander in that it has lots of instruments so it takes samples studies a lot of things about the surface and dan the perseverance rover actually collects samples puts them into containers and puts those containers Mm. at known locations on the surface of mars to be picked up later so there's plans for a sample return mission to mars uh, this happens a few years from now, and, wow. and it's going to go to those places where the Perseverance lander is and, and go mm. pick up the containers and launch off of Mars and bring them back to Earth. Wow. That's Sample return That's mission awesome. to Mars. Uh, That'll be the first ever. We've never, uh, other than uh, Martian meteorites hitting Antarctica, Yeah, we've never had... Stuff that's right. Mars. So that'll be a real big deal, and then that'll be uh, that'll but be great. But the thing that's gotten the attention a lot with Perseverance is the little uh, helicopter. They made a little yeah. helicopter. It's like a drone, but it's a helicopter mm-hmm. called Ingenuity, and it's a small device. It um, it has counter rotating propellers that have to spin very very fast in the Martian mm-hmm. atmosphere. And it's just been uh, flying around Mars taking pictures. And t- it can wow. take pictures of the lander. The lander can take pictures of it. And they it's been the area of a certain crater called Jezero, I believe it is. 
uh, mm. that they've been mm. exploring all around there. So you, there's lots of uh, video, Dan, from the Perseverance yeah. lander and the Ingenuity um, heli- helicopter. Lots, lots of pictures and photos and videos. Lots to see. And uh, Carl Sagan said it uh, back in 1980. He said, uh, you know, once we have these rovers going, you're going to see Mars on your TV. Of course, 1980 was before the explosion of the Internet. I mean, it was right around the time it was starting to bud. But Dr. Sagan was kind of uh, prophetic, wasn't he? That, yeah. that now we have pictures of Mars all over. You can watch YouTube videos of Mars. You could binge watch Mars videos. Uh, it's out there. But, you know, we we've, we would be remiss if we didn't mention a couple of the most fantastic features of Mars, my two favorite features of Mars. Uh, there was the enigmatic face of Mars. I don't know how back or what photograph it was Mariner. I don't know which of the, but yeah. there was a face, a, a rock face. You could look at the, the face of Mars and everybody's like, ooh, look, alien structures. And uh, they have since taken better photographs of that. It was just shading and, and, a, and a trick of and an optic trick. I mean, the, the artifact was there, but it wasn't the face that everybody thought. Yeah. It was. But a uh, couple of other beautiful natural features are the uh, Olympus Mons, which is a giant, three hundred and some odd mile in diameter volcano, the largest yes. known volcano in in our solar system. Right. And Dan, Dan, I saw a picture where somebody took uh, the uh, kind of an outline of that volcano. And they put it mm. on top of a of a map of France, and it it reached almost <laughs> all the way across France from east to west. Yes, yeah, that's a fantastic uh, <laughs> drawing of it, picture in your mind. Tall, yeah, taller absolutely. than Mount Everest, uh, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And then there's this. Um, this is the other intriguing thing that just fascinates me because it it just speaks of some kind of ancient catastrophic devastation that must have occurred early on in the planet's life it's got a giant scar uh, called the uh mare what is it Valus marineris thank you Warren. it sounds like a spaghetti sauce Valus uh, marineris Marinir- <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna have a resort a restaurant near the canyon you just have Valus marineris sauce we, we were talking about <laughs> sailors you know it, it means valley of the mariners is what it means yeah yeah, it's a. It makes the Grand Canyon look like your back bathroom sink. Yes, and I Huge. I learned I learned something more about how that formed. There are, oh yeah, there are canyons on Mars that are like this. They're not as big, but this is the massive, really long one. It would reach like two thirds of the way across the United States or something. I think. But oh my goodness, it's it like uh, so on Mars there are f- fractures and faults under the surface that you can't see from the surface. Mm-hmm. And there are things on Mars because of the cold that the the rocks and the ice can sort of make things contract mm-hmm. as you get into different seasons. So these fractures may kind of open up down below the surface, and then what's on the surface will kind of sink in. So it's like a sinkhole effect. It's not like yeah. it's not like the Grand Canyon on Earth, which if, you know. We talked about the Grand Canyon where the the rock layers were laid down, then they were right. eroded away. Well, that's uh-huh. not like Mars on this. It's it's more of a a sinkhole effect, but along a a really large uh, fissure okay. or a, that's, a fault. that's fantastic. Yeah. And to me, you know, it's it's interesting. It, it it now I'm not saying God intended this, but it reminds me. It does again remind me just because I'm thinking creatively, imaginatively, and as I try to think biblically about the glory of God. You think of, you know, C.S. Lewis thought that the uh, great red spot on Jupiter, the king of the planets, reminded him of Jesus being wounded 
for our transgressions, a king who has a wound in his side. And uh, to me, I, I, the, 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 uh, the canyon there on Mars also reminds me of Jesus' side being pierced. I mean, I know people say, oh, come on, Ray. I'm, I'm not saying that's what God intended it to mean, but I, but I think of this, this, this rift, this, this tear, this fissure in something that, that is declaring the glory of God, this, 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 this gash, if you will. It reminds me of, of the Roman sphere going into the, the side of, of, of Jesus on the cross. And, you know, an, another symbolic imagery for me of God being wounded for us because of our, our propensity for war. You know, what does James say? Where do wars and fights come from among you? You know, Jesus' death was because we were petulant we hated each other Cain killed Abel and so in order to come overcome sin and death uh, Jesus died himself and was pierced just like anybody who goes to battle is pierced and dies the God through the person of a son is pierced and wounded and is is buried and you know there's a there's a giant crack in the earth right and he goes into it and he he fills it and he dies and and then he resurrects, and and gets. so anyway, I I think that 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 these scars, these markings, everything speaks to me as I think about it uh, to the glory of God. Yes, and uh, even with uh, all that we've learned about Mars and all the information we have on Mars now, Dan, there are still scientific mysteries. And uh, yes. I was reading about something uh, just recently where they they had to change their their understanding of what it was so that around the the poles uh, there was a report sometime back that some scientists thought there might be liquid water under the surface under the mm. poles under the ice and um after more analysis they now have concluded it's really just kind of reflections off of layers of clay certain minerals oh, okay. certain clay minerals if you Make them, bring them down to a cold temperature like on Mars. They can mm-hmm. reflect certain uh, light and radiation in a way that could make it show up. So they, you know, they all have to figure out a lot about Mars from orbit and uh, with remote sensing techniques. So they're looking at things like infrared and and radio and and uh, various kinds of radiation that they detect and sorting out what they're seeing is a challenge. So mm. scientists are still figuring out Mars. There's still a number of mysteries. So there's still plenty of uh, puzzles for us to unravel about Mars. Mm. Yeah, there is. And that's a wonder. We've, we've just begun. We haven't even begun to exhaust um, those things. Uh, and the, the, the exploration can continue on for, for generations and generations, which is wonderful. Uh, you know, further up, further in, as, as C.S. Lewis says in the Narnia Chronicles, come and explore, come and see. That's right. right. There's no end to the exploration. Well, Wayne, we have we have not done Mars any justice in the hour we've been chatting, but uh, I, I I think we've given en- uh, listeners enough information to contemplate and to think about how Mars is part of how the heavens declare the glory of God. So we hope we've given you some food for thought for that. We will link Wayne's article to his website on Mars that you can find all this information. We will link, I will try to remember to link all the things I said I was going to link in the descriptions below to find out more about Mars. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And Dan, my article is a, it's a PDF that they can download from my website. And it also has some links that, to things like some videos from NASA 
and from YouTube. That's awesome. Well, uh, lots more to explore, a lot more to explore. And I wish we had uh, more time. I wish we could. I, I, I don't. I wouldn't necessarily say I want to. I, I don't think I would want to go there. I like exploring it from my chair. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's <laughs> it's safer this way, Dan. It is safer this way. I can admire the beautiful pictures. I can't get over uh, how uh, fortunate we are that to be able to do this exploration. And so I just thank God yeah. that God has allowed multiple nations to do this. Even right. even United Arab Emirates, I don't think we mentioned that, the United Arab Emirates had a mission to Mars that wow. uh, orbits Mars even today. I think it's still operating. Did they did they launch it from the Burj Dubai? <laughs> the tallest, they have that, the United Arab Emirates is where the Burj is. No, I don't think so. It was actually a <laughs> Japanese rocket. The Japanese have a space oh, okay. program. And so the... Japan had the rocket, and they it's called Hope. They called it Hope. Uh, oh, that's nice. Mission to Mars. It's orbiting Mars. So, I mean, I think all of this just is a nice summary of what Psalm 19 says. The heavens are telling of the glory of God. Their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. Wayne, if the heavens weren't doing that, we wouldn't be sending rockets and explorers and, and chemical testings and robots into these places. Because we do that because we assume the intelligibility of the cosmos. That is exactly what God intended it to be, knowable and intelligible. Um, I love what Psalm 19.3 says. There is no speech. In other words, there's no audible voice, nor are there words. But the, the next line is their voice is not heard, but their voice has gone out throughout the whole earth. Right. So it's a it's a silent speech that says come and explore, right? And that's, that's right. what we do. There's no there's no, you know, alphabet in the stars, but but yet there is. There's not a, a specific declaration. There's not a, a bullhorn or speakers, but but there is a voice that calls day unto day, night unto night, revealing knowledge that says come and explore. Now what I love is that I think that this verse, there is no voice from the heavens, but it's known throughout the whole world, that this voice becomes audible at Jesus' baptism. What happens in Matthew chapter 3? The sky opens, and an audible voice is heard. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And so somehow, Wayne, all of this astronomical glory points to the Son of God, the Lord Jesus, I think. Yes. Yeah. So, so I think that that'll be a... A good note on which we can uh, bid our listeners farewell for this particular episode. Absolutely. And, so uh, keep uh, keep watching the exploration. It's it's exciting stuff. Right. Get you a little backyard telescope. Uh, you know, and get a find dark sky spots and go and observe. You don't need a telescope. You don't need all the satellite imagery. I mean, it's all beautiful and wonderful. But for us here on the ground, who aren't NASA administrators. We have the availability of just going out underneath the beauty of a wonderful night sky without light pollution. We have to drive a little farther now to do that, but uh, totally recommend doing that. It's one of the most peaceful, calming, and wonderful experiences you'll ever have uh, this side of heaven in contemplating a dark sky. Right, yeah. So, uh, Wayne, we will see you again next time right here on... Good Heavens. Good Heavens. This is Orson Welles, ladies and gentlemen, out of character to assure you that the War of the Worlds has no further significance than as the holiday offering it was intended to be. 
The Mercury Theater's own radio version of dressing up in a sheet and jumping out of a bush and saying boo. Starting now, we couldn't soap all your windows and steal all your garden gates by tomorrow night, so we did the best next thing. We annihilated the world before your very ears and utterly destroyed the CBS. You will be relieved, I hope, to learn that we didn't mean it and that both institutions are still open for business. So goodbye, everybody, and remember, please, for the next day or so, the terrible lesson you learned tonight. That grinning, glowing, globular invader of your living room is an inhabitant of the pumpkin patch, and if your doorbell rings and nobody's there, that was no Martian, it's Halloween. Tonight, the Columbia Broadcasting System and its affiliated stations coast to coast has brought you The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells, the 17th in its weekly series of dramatic broadcasts featuring Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the air. Next week, we present a dramatization of three famous short stories. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Good Heavens is a podcast examining and appreciating the wonders of the cosmos from a biblical perspective, designed for education and wholesome entertainment for the whole family. From the most distant galaxies to the strangest stars in the universe, Wayne and Dan cover a wide variety of cosmological and astronomical topics as they point to the glory of God in Christ. Thanks for listening to another episode of Good Heavens, a production of Watchman Fellowship Incorporated, Arlington, Texas. For more information about Good Heavens or other topics and podcasts related to apologetics, world religions, and cults, visit watchman.org today.